would encourage you, we prayed already for Israel in our time um, so far this morning, but I'd encourage you to keep praying this week that, that God would just protect the people of Israel, that they would cry out to him for help and uh, see his hand move on their behalf. So today we are continuing with Directions for Life for that series uh, based on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was out with his disciples and a crowd was following him as usual. And he sat down on the edge of this hill and began to teach them. And the things he's teaching them are really good things for how to have your best life. Directions for Life. Today more than ever before, uh, life is all about an online image for some people. They curate everything they do, either on Instagram or TikTok and whatever social media they choose. And they show us all of their best situations, right? Eating at a great restaurant and even showing us what they ate. And I mean, how many of you have been guilty of doing that? Like, you know, it's a thing, right? Or, or with them hanging out with all the right people at sports events or buying some, some really great new clothes and uh, showing how they're helping others. So these are all really wonderful things, um, but a lot of times it's just for show. You aren't seeing the times when they have issues in their life and, uh, the, or the times they said something awful to a family member. Uh, they're not posting that up there. And uh, it's just the highlight reel, right? So in our next passage today, the reason I bring all that up is Jesus con is continuing his teaching and he addresses this problem that people in Israel were actually dealing with. Not the social media part, but the idea of putting on a show uh, with their giving, with their praying and their fasting. And we're going to cover the first two of giving and praying and then fasting will be next week uh, in the message next week. So if you have your Bibles or if you want to grab... The Bible in the row is page uh, 905 in the Orange Bibles. And we will start in chapter 6 of Matthew, reading the first four verses and then continuing on later. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not, know what your, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. So we'll stop there for a second. And uh, he says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness in front of others. Uh, an act of righteousness would be something like giving money to the poor. Giving alms is another thing you see in scripture that is called. Or giving food to the poor. There's some kind of benevolence there. And this is like what the Jewish people today call a mitzvah. It's one of the mitzvahs, a commandment that they do and follow. And there are 613 mitzvahs from the law, mostly from Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And so they have these all written out and they can look at them and they can say, okay, here's something, a good thing I can do. So to do one of those things is considered a mitzvah or a righteous act. So Jesus tells the people to be careful, to beware. Don't practice your righteousness in front of other people. 
because there's no heavenly reward for that because the desire of your heart if you're doing it that way is to be seen by these people and recognized by them the pharisees who jesus is calling hypocrites here and hypocrite let's talk about that word a minute it's made up of two words in the greek and together they mean to be under a mask like in a play like an actor playing a part wearing a mask in the play playing a part for everybody to see and jesus said the pharisees and the teachers of the law are like this wearing these masks these religious people they make a big deal of the mitzvah they would have a trumpet blown he even says to announce that they're coming to give okay they would toot their own horn we're talking about phrases that come you know so to speak trumpets were used to announce the arrival of an official or a civil uh, civil event at that time so everyone around them then these toot, 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 these trumpets are going off and here they come and they want everyone around to pay attention to what they're doing they're going to give Interesting here in verse 1, to be seen by them in the Greek, when you look at that, it means to gaze at a spectacle. They're wanting everyone to gaze at them and see the spectacle of them giving. Uh, they wanted everyone to really watch them with their almsgiving, really watch them with their mitzvah. That's why they gave, by getting recognition and honor from others. As Jesus said, you've gotten your reward. These people were all about the show of giving. It was all about the recognition of people watching them and thinking, wow, that's really a good person. So I've got a question for you. Why is making sure that others see what you're doing tooting your own horn? Why is that a full reward? Yeah, inflating your ego. They, they were getting recognition. They were getting the reward of the recognition. Honoring self rather than God. And for attention, yes. So how should we do righteous acts then? In secret, he says, yeah. So that's a good thing. So... Without tooting your horn. So no tooting horns here on Sunday morning, right? <laughs> Jesus tells us the way to give is to not let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Um, give in secret, or, or a better way would be to, for us today would be to say in private, you know. Give so it's not this big deal to, uh, in front of others. 1 Corinthians 13.3 says, If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So if we're giving like these people are, we're not giving with the love of God in our heart if, we're, if it's all about us, and then we don't gain anything by doing it. Obviously, we can't usually give to anyone or anything like totally in secret. Someone's, someone's going to know. But what it has to do with, just like all these other things we've been talking about, has to do with our hearts. What is the goal of our heart here? Is it recognition and honor from other people? Or is it to give because we want to give out of the love of God? We want to give because God is uh, leading us to do this. So what's the goal of our giving then? Uh, is it to be obedient to God? Is it to meet a need? Or is it to gain recognition and praise of others? These, this is the thing that determines our reward.
If my heart is right before God and I'm not looking for fame or honor for myself, if I'm trying to do what pleases God and honors him, but if I'm trying to show God's love and compassion to others, that's what God will reward me with someday. Ephesians 6, 7, and 8 says, Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. So see, Scripture tells us that if we're giving out of that loving heart, we're giving out of what God puts on our heart to do, to give, God is going to reward us someday for that. So the next thing Jesus addresses then is prayer. So let's read Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So he's saying don't pray like these hypocrites who are wanting to be seen by others. Uh, they must be referring to the same types. He must be referring to the same types of people here as he was on the uh, other part about giving because he's saying these hypocrites, it's the same people, so... He's talking about the people praying in the synagogues and on the streets, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, doing it for show. And Jesus isn't saying not to pray in public, is he? But the hypocrites were making a big deal about their praying, like, I'm so pious, I'm so religious, I'm so righteous. And they, they seem to be saying this in front of everybody who would look at them. In Matthew 23, verse 5 through 7, it says, Everything they do is done for people to see. And it's talking about the Pharisees here. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at the banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and to be called rabbi by others. So to really understand this, we, know, we need to know what are phylacteries and tassels that he's talking about here. Well, there's a picture here now. Phylacteries are the leather boxes worn on the forehead and forearm during morning prayer. And here's an example right here of one on a forehead, and you see here on the arms. And what that, it's a straps wrapping it on, and that little box contains scripture, and the scriptures uh, symbolize the love of God and the commandments that, that they're saying this is something I'm thinking of, and this is something I'm doing. That was the whole point of it, which osmosis is not happening here. And so, I mean, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> yeah. So then the tassels on the prayer Welcome shawls. The, uh, the tassels on the prayer shawls represented heaven and God's commandments. And as Pastor Steve was just wanting to do, let's look at the video. Welcome to the Jewish Museum. My name is Emma, and today we're going to be talking about Tehillah. Our story starts with the Torah, the Jewish holy scroll that contains 613 commandments, or mitzvot in Hebrew, by which to live a good Jewish life. It says in the Torah, in the book of Numbers, speak to the children of Israel and you shall say to them that they shall make for themselves fringes on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and that they shall affix a thread of techelet on the fringe of each corner. 
In order to understand what tchelet is, we must first start by looking at these fringes, which are called tzitzit, that are attached to talitot, the plural of talit, or prayer shawls. God commanded the Jewish people to wear tzitzit so that they would constantly be reminded of the 613 commandments or mitzvot. This is a talit, or prayer shawl, in English. As you can see, on each corner there are tzitzit, like this so that when you wear it, you are physically surrounded by the commandments of the Torah. On each corner, four threads are threaded through a hole and looped over, so that there are eight strings hanging down. A series of double knots and coils then join the first few inches of each corner's tassel into a single cord. The remainder of the eight threads are then free to hang down. As you tie the tzitzit, you say, L'shem mitzvah tzitzit which means for the sake of the mitzvah of tzitzit. Okay. Didn't know you were going to go to a class this morning, did you? But that just shows you. Um, so what, what Jesus is saying in Matthew 23 here is that um, the Pharisees and the rabbis were wearing extra-large phylacteries, extra-large boxes on their heads and arms, and extra-long tassels on their prayer shawls to show how extra-religious they were. And it was all about a show. And if you're all about a show or a curated life, social media posts today, obviously, uh, showing how you are so good and so righteous, then you have your reward right then. Because it was all about gaining that recognition from others. And next, Jesus gives them instruction on the way they should pray. He says, don't make it a public spectacle, but a private experience with God. Uh, he says to go into your room and close the door. I say you can even go into your car and close the door while you're driving. Uh, pray to your father. But the main thing is you want to get into a position and a place where you can meet with God. And probably not while you're driving is not what you want your only prayer time to be. You want to be where you don't have to focus on anything else but him. To be in awe and reverence of the Lord God. Jesus says that the Father God sees what's done in private and rewards you. If you're looking for recognition, likes, or views on your post, and you're making it about a show or a performance, you will not experience being in the presence of the Father. That requires us to come humbly before him, heart open to him, not full of ourselves, to be in awe of who God is, to revere him and worship him. It's all about Jesus Christ, not about us. Then Jesus says, don't babble like the pagans. And this is a reference to using a repetition of a word or a phrase over and over and over. As in, in 1 Kings 18.26, it talks about they took the bull which was given them. These are the servants of Baal, a false god, and called on the name of Baal from morning till noon saying, oh, Baal, hear us. So they're saying this over and over again. But there was no voice, no one answered. So they leaped on the altar, which they had made, and etc. Uh, but the, that's what he's talking about. Don't be like the pagans and just keep repeating a word or a phrase over and over and over. Jesus is saying it's not a, a certain word or a certain phrase that's the formula here to meet with God, said over and over for our prayers. And it's not even a certain way of speaking. Uh, my father had been brought up saying, thee and thou and using King James English. So every time he would pray, you hardly understood what he was saying because he was speaking um, words that weren't common for us. 
And what Jesus is saying, just, just speak out of your heart. Just come before God and say what, what um, you know, speak like you normally speak, but be in reverence of God. Don't be like the Pharisees, he says in verse 8. Come and pray to God the Father. Pray what's on your heart. And there's no pressure to perform. Because God the Father knows what is on your heart even before you pray it, even before you ask. And then the next thing we'll read about here is uh, Jesus gives an example of how to pray. He's saying this is not a verbatim, but this is kind of an idea of how you would, basic idea of how to pray. Luke 11, 1 says, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And if you go on in Luke, Jesus tells them, it's the same prayer that's in our passage today and teaches them how to pray. So let's read that then. Uh, verse 9, this then is how you should pray, Matthew 6, verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So he says, the first thing is our Father in heaven. And the Greek word here for Father is kind of like saying Daddy. It's a very familiar term for Father. It's one of warmth and closeness, that of a child with a loving, caring father. And how cool that he says, you know, come in reverence and awe, but call him father, like in a loving, caring father way. And then hallowed be your name. Hallowed is not a word we use a lot, but it means holy, consecrated. Even though we have that close relationship with God when we follow Jesus Christ, we still have to recognize him as God and honor him for who he is. He is to be exalted above all, like we've been speaking of already today. We cannot come to the Father and expect to meet with him unless we make it about him. Recognize his holiness and awesomeness as we pray. We sanctify him, set him apart as holy. His, his says his name is holy. Hashem means the name in Hebrew, and a lot of times in the Bible it says the name and talks about honoring the name of God. Because he is holy and righteous and set apart, he's worthy of our praise. Isaiah 6.3 says, And one angel cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. We need to have reverence and awe for the Lord. Verse 10, he says, Then say, Your kingdom come. So when we pray for God's kingdom to come, what are we praying for? Yeah, his, exactly, his rule and reign in our life. We're praying for the kingdom, for the lordship of Jesus Christ to be established in our life and in the lives of others. And through Jesus Christ, we're praying that God would rule and reign in us and in our circumstances, and one day that his kingdom would come on earth. Then he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, praying that all God's purposes would be fulfilled just as he reigns in heaven, 
that, and we pray for God's perfect will to rule here on earth as well. Give us this day our daily bread. Part of his will for us is that we would have all we need, not just spiritually, but also physically. Our daily bread, our food, everything we need, the provision we need, both spiritually and physically, that we would rely on God for that provision and know that everything we have is from him. Then he says to pray, forgive us our debts. What debts are we asking God to forgive? Our sins. Probably not our money. He's talking about sins here because the Greek word here for debts means offense or sin. And that which is owed, our sin created this debt of righteousness that we could not pay. That's why God sent Jesus Christ. Colossians 2, 13 to 14 said, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Isn't that awesome? That means that the debt of righteousness that we owe that we could never pay, that Jesus Christ paid it, and not only that, he nailed it to the cross. It's forever taken care of in his name when we follow Jesus Christ. Verse 12 says, Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And this makes sense when you know that Jesus is referring to that debt of sin because if we're asking God to forgive us of our sins, we're to forgive others of the sins they commit against us. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And this means that we're asking God to keep us from the temptation of sin. Um, obviously, he would not tempt us or lead us into evil. He's, what Jesus is saying is we're praying that we not be led into evil by the enemy, by the devil. Uh, to be free of him pulling us into sin, that we'd even be delivered not just from the sin, but from the temptation to sin. Verse 14 and 15, he talks about forgiveness. We need to forgive others who sin against us, who do things to hurt us, that hinder us, things that are wrong. And that's hard to do. Uh, but he places it in the fact that God has forgiven us. And unforgiveness can lead to bitterness, it opens the door to the devil to mess with us. And unforgiveness can even affect your health. Uh, John Hopkins, which you've heard that name, I'm sure, uh, John Hopkins Medicine says, and this is a quote from them, there are physical changes in our body that increase the risk of depression, heart disease, diabetes, and more when you have unforgiveness. Forgiveness calms the stress levels and leads to improved health. So I, I don't think I want to have depression, heart disease, diabetes, and more in my life. So I want to make sure I keep short accounts with God that I don't live with unforgiveness in my heart or bitterness. And if you're wondering, well, you know, that's kind of a hard deal. And what about the person who's like always doing something that is uh, hurting me or harming me? Matthew 18 21 and 22, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? 
And Peter's thinking, this is great. This is a lot. Seven times to him seemed like a lot. And Jesus said, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. He's saying that, you know, don't put a cap on it. If you put a cap on how many times you're going to forgive someone, there's going to be another time beyond that where you're going to have to. And Jesus is saying, have the kind of heart that freely gives that forgiveness. It frees us from spiritual and physical problems. And then we can use the wisdom that God gives us about any further relationship with that person. If I forgive them, that doesn't mean that I have to become their best friend. But if someone is harmful and abusive, then I have to put a boundary in place um, if that relationship is toxic. Sometimes we can restore a relationship, but sometimes God will show us that we have to put a boundary. If we want to follow Jesus and be like him, we have to forgive others, though. Even with a boundary there, you can be tempted to not forgive. With a boundary there, you still have to forgive them and ask God to remove any bitterness from your heart. When we follow Jesus and we want to be like him, we have to forgive others, even the people that hurt us. And it's really not about that other person, is it? It's about us. It's freeing us from that and letting the wounds be healed because we've prayed and asked God to remove that out of that bitterness out of us. This is also a heart issue, and we have to keep right hearts before God and there can be no unforgiveness or bitterness in our hearts if we want to be right with him. So let's summarize what Jesus has said here so far in this passage. Um, what he's really saying is how to be real. How not to be a hypocrite. How to be real. And the first thing would be don't expect earthly recognition for doing what God commands. Jesus told the crowd that they'd someday get a reward for their obedience and good works when their hearts were right and when they were giving and praying out of a heart that was wanting to serve the Lord. One of the pastors that we know has said, uh, we play for an audience of one. And what he meant by that is that all we do is really only for Jesus and because he is the one, Jesus is the one we should be pleasing. That means a lot of what you do can go unrecognized here on earth. But God sees it. And someday in heaven, we will hear the master say when we follow him and do what he commands us to do, well done, good and faithful servant. Wouldn't that just be awesome? You know, even if you haven't gotten the recognition of others here on earth, that when you follow God and you do what he shows you to do, someday in heaven, there's a reward. Hebrews eleven six says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See, it rewards. It's talking about it all over in Scripture. God says if you hang in there, if you follow him, if you do what he's asked you to do, and it's not about a big show. It's not about a performance. It's about really having a heart right before him. There's a reward someday for you when you come into eternity. So don't expect earthly recognition for doing what God commands. And secondly, to be real, give from a loving heart. It's really impossible to give to others without that, without the love of God in our hearts. If we give out of compulsion or we're trying to see, seem to be something we're not, um, we're really hypocrites hiding behind a mask. 1 Corinthians 13.3 says, If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, then I may boast. But I do not have love. I gain nothing. 
See, the love of God needs to be in our heart when we're giving. Romans 12, 9 says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. And sincere, this is an interesting deal. This means without hypocrisy, not a phony. It means love must be real. It can't be phony. It can't be with a mask on. You've got to hate what's evil and cling to good. Love has to be real. A heart that's full of the love of God, not the love of self or recognition. And third, to fully receive God's forgiveness, to fully experience it, we need to forgive others. When we follow Jesus Christ, when we obey his commands, when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we receive God's forgiveness. But when we harbor unforgiveness or bitterness, we block receiving all God has for us. That bitterness is a block in your heart against what God wants to give you, what God wants to do. If we're running around and keeping all that bitterness and unforgiveness inside, it's going to come out sideways. I know you've heard about that before. Bitterness, harboring that, it, it comes out sideways. And so we won't treat people right. Um, we'll explode in anger at people. And sometimes it's at people that aren't even part of the problem, uh, especially in situations that are really testing us, really trying us. And it's not a good example of the love of God. So we want to be real people. We, who love each other, who forgive each other, and who are giving and humble people. Would you stand as we close? Just ask that as you stand that you bow your head and take a moment and ask God to show you, have you been playing a part behind the mask? If you feel that might be describing you, and it's time to get real, first with God and then with others. You feel that's you, that you need to take today and say, God, I, I don't want to do that anymore. Just raise your hand. Thank you. If part of the problems you're having are from unforgiveness in your heart and you want God to cleanse your heart of bitterness and unforgiveness, just raise your hand. Thank you, God. Father, we just thank you that uh, Jesus, he, he, was, he, he got real with people. He taught people uh, about the issues they were facing. And Lord, that's so timely, even here for us today, that um, trying to have that kind of life where we just have a mask on, where we look like everything's great and everything's good and we're so good and we're doing everything right. And Lord, um, we just want to repent of that. We don't want to be wearing a mask, Lord. We want to be real people who love you and serve you and give out of thankful and generous hearts and pray, Lord, that in reverence and awe of who you are. Lord, we don't want to have unforgiveness in our heart. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to lay that down, Lord. We don't want that. We don't want that bitterness. We don't want that toxic stuff in us. Lord, we surrender it to the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, that you wash that off of us. That instead, Lord, you fill us up with your Holy Spirit, with your love, with your power. Lord, we want to live lives that honor and glorify you. Help us to show your love to others around us. Help, it, help us to be people who forgive, people who show God's love to others. Father, I pray you'd protect us from people who would want to harm us. Lord, show us the relationships that are not good for us. 
and help us to walk in relationships that are. Father, we thank you for your love and your protection. Lord, help us to this next week to walk this out, Lord, to be the people you've created us to be and to be wanting to serve you and please you in all that we do. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.